Happy oh recording in progress. Happy Thursday, you messy, messy delinquents. Welcome to another episode of Meet My Mess Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the messiest parts of life with me, your host, Carissa Harrison. I'm stoked to be here again. As you guys know, I didn't have an episode last week. It was a week. I'll tell you that. Um, I was going to record this exact episode this time last week. And my trusty table over here, who is really only standing on three legs, one of the legs broke. My laptop went flying across the room. Safe to say it didn't work. Apple was trying to rip me off as per usual. This is really not interesting. So I'm going to get through it fast, I promise. And they were like, oh, this is going to cost you like $841 to fix. I was like, there's no way I'm fucking paying to fix that. And so now we are here with a new computer and hopefully better video quality. So maybe it was meant to happen for a reason. It's been a while since I've recorded a solo episode. Before that, I had guests on for a week before. I was actually supposed to have a guest on this week as well, but they canceled at the last minute. So we are going to re-record the episode I was recording when I had the great laptop launch of 2021. Before we get into this week's episode, pause for iced coffee. I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. I am going to be talking a bit about eating disorders and bulimia in this episode. If this is something that you've struggled with and something you're not ready to talk about or listen to, whatever, um, you can just skip through the last half of the episode. The first half is going to be light and fun and still something you can listen to and not triggering, I hope. And yeah, that's kind of all I have to say. As for a personal update, what's been going on? Oh, I've been going through a lot recently, honestly. I've been keeping my head above water, keeping okay, but I've been going through something really, really tough, something that a lot of girls have to go through in my personal life. Um, I will eventually do an episode on it, but I want to make sure I've really processed what happened and everything that happened before I, I guess, do an episode about the emotions that come with the experiences I had. Um... So I'm sorry to be so vague because that's annoying and I want to be honest with what's going on in my life with my listeners, but I want to make sure I have it's kind of my own head wrapped around it before I bring the outside world into what's been going on in my life. But within the next couple of weeks, I'll do an episode on it, I'm sure. So stay tuned. But for today, we're going to run it back to the days I was a chubby bulimic who was using hairspray as setting spray, also known as my days as a dancer. Shit's about to get messy. Real messy. Oh, you want my number? Oh, no, sorry. I don't give it out to strangers. (laughs) Yeah, you can listen to my podcast, though. I 
know you guys are kind of like, oh, I'm not, I wasn't a dancer. I don't know if this is going to be an episode that what is going to interest me and apply to me. But let me tell you, the thing about embarrassing or bad moments happening on a, as a dancer is very different than it's happening to a sports player or to something of that nature. Because when embarrassing things happen to you as a dancer, they happen on a stage which just seems to be a little bit more exhibitionary. You see, you have the lights on you, you're on the stage, you're raised above, and there's no screens people are looking at, there's no conversations to be had, you're in a silent theater, all eyes are on you. Before I start to divulge every shitty thing that ever happened to me as a dancer, I want to give, oh, sorry, text. Um, that was unprofessional. I apologize. But if you want to have a hot daughter, I'm not saying this is ethical. I'm not saying that this is something to promote. I'm just saying it's pure, simple science. If you want a hot daughter, put them in dance. This works for many reasons. Um, I was exercising all the time. So I was in good physical health. And also I knew how to put eyelashes on by the age of 11 years old. Before that, my mom would do my makeup for dance competitions. But when I got to the point that every two days I was getting my eyes glued shut by my mother trying to do my fake eyelashes, I just decided no more. It's my turn to take on this role and to learn to beat my face by myself. So at 11 years old, I knew how to do a full face of foundation, how to contour, how to use highlighter, how to put on the perfect red lip, how to um, outline your lips. And as I'm saying this, I'm realizing this probably sounds insane because I'm literally sitting here looking like a literal wet dog with my wet ass hair. But I didn't have the time to go and walk my dog before this. So this is what we're dealing with. And what was I saying? Oh yeah. If you want a hot daughter, put her in dance. It's just pure, simple fact. You developed, you develop this sassy personality and this confidence. And it really does just create hot girls. I I'm just going to say it. It does. Dancers are hot. And moving on, it was 2015 in a land land in a land far, far away. I got ahead of myself. The whole gang was there. Lord Farquaad, Pinocchio, the three little pigs, and myself, who would play the role of Donkey. I also, in this award-winning performance, played the role of a townsperson from the land of Duloc. So in this performance, I had two roles. This was about a five minute performance and I had to perform something by the name of a quick change. If you are not a performer and you don't know what a quick change is, it is when mid performance, you run off the stage into the wings, which are the sides of the stage and you change out of whatever you're wearing into a full on different outfit. I know this sounds kind of crazy and like, oh, that really happens. Yes, it really happens. And it happens often. We do it in dances very, very often. And so in this particular performance, I went from my townsperson outfit to 
my donkey costume and this included teeth and all I had 24 seconds to transform both physically emotionally and spiritually from a robot townsperson of Duloc to donkey the charismatic comedian but one particular performance I need to take a sip of my coffee for this I put my costume on backwards and this as a result meant I had a donkey tail coming why am why are there pop-ups on this freaking computer sorry I was really just getting to the good part too bam we're back this that meant that this particular performance I had a donkey tail coming right out of my nether regions I was about 13 14 at the time actually I'm not gonna bullshit you I was probably like 15 16 I was going to lie, lie to myself, lie to you, but really I was old enough for galloping on a stage in a donkey costume to be embarrassing. So I put this on backwards, but the show must go on. I didn't have the time to undress, turn the costume around and put it back on. And I'm pretty sure like someone was there helping me change quickly. And they literally just shoved me onto the stage. So here I go galloping, gallivanting onto the stage, like donkey, like straight up. I was galloping. (laughs) This is no joke with like donkey teeth in my mouth with a donkey dick coming straight out of where my vag should be. I don't know if the judges thought it was some sort of sick joke that the choreographers put this in the routine that I was just going to come out here with a donkey dick, but I still gave the most full-on performance of my life. I knew that if I was going to fuck up and put my costume on backwards, I guess it didn't really register to me that it probably looked like I had a dick. I think that's why I was still just like so full-on with it all which makes no sense. But when you only have 24 seconds and so much is going on, you don't really think about how things are appearing to the outside world, I guess, even though I'm doing a performance, which sounds crazy, but I gave the most full on performance of my life. And at the time I really didn't think it was that embarrassing. I remember just thinking it was kind of funny. I still don't think it processed to me that I had a dick and I don't know. It just, Other experiences traumatized me more. I like to call that story the donkey dick surprise. When I say other times traumatized me more, I immediately, immediately flash back to this one time. That I really had to look failure in the face. So I was competing for my solo, which... You can probably infer, I know the mess makers aren't idiots. I was dancing on the stage alone. And in this routine, this was my, probably my best routine I ever had. It won a lot of awards later in the year, but my first competition with this routine, I was against some of my fiercest competitors throughout your dance career. There's like three or four girls around your age that are the ones to beat. All of those girls were there. So there was about seven of us in the category, three or four of them being very fierce competition in my eyes. The other ones being girls I was certain I would beat. Normally at dance competitions, you have people place first, second, and third. And after third place, they don't rank you based on um, 
where you placed in the category you still get a score but that's given to you in private afterwards you get all this paperwork and all that but this judge was throwing three-way ties out of his yin yang oh my gosh I can still remember his puny little punchable fucking face so he was gave out a three-way tie for third a two-way tie for first and then first place comes along and I'm thinking okay they must have a three-way tie for first and I'm gonna have beat some of the best competitors the people I've been trying to beat for years years and this was like my shiny moment I was finally going to be at the top I was finally gonna be the winner at this really tough competition and first place comes along and there's a two-way tie So that leaves me. There is everyone else standing on the stage with a ribbon or a trophy or a medal. And then there's me. Nothing. Clearly dead ass last place. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Everyone else had a medal and a trophy and I was just standing there alone. Little girl, little ginger chubby girl with bulimia alone with no trophy. And I don't know if the judge really, in his mind, processed what he was doing. I'm just going to hope that he didn't. He didn't process that he was literally giving everyone on that stage an award except for me. But, yeah. Uh, it's how it worked out. He's a fucking dick if, that, if he did know. Because, like, come on. You couldn't have someone else lose with me. You couldn't have just, like, shot one, one more girl's confidence. You have one girl's confidence in the fucking gutters why not two why not three it would just make me feel a little better and yeah I came dead last and everyone knew it everyone in the audience knew it hundreds of people stood there as I lost failing in private is very different than failing in public because failing in private you only have yourself to be ashamed of but failing in public you think everyone else is also looking at you as a failure which they're not really everyone just felt really guilty for me but anyways I handled it like a fucking pro I did not cry I walked off the stage with a level head smiling and I congratulated the girls around me because they were still my peers and they were still nice girls who were obviously talented and then I just bawled my eyes out in the car like a professional I remember all my dance teachers coming around me and just saying like fuck them you were great and all that which was nice because that was like a very motherly moment for me but anyways I got in the car I bawled my eyes out with my mom and then she bought me Dairy Queen the brownies at Dairy Queen fucking suck I gotta say that they really do. I like rem- every time I get a blizzard with brownies in it, I think this is going to be the shit. And it tastes like freezer burnt chewing on laugh freezer burnt brownie flavored Laffy Taffy. That's what the brownies at Dairy Queen taste like. I'm really out of Jesus. I need to breathe for a second. I'm like out of breath, like telling that story. Probably because it gives me literal anxiety telling that story because I'm a perfectionist and I don't like to fail. But the definition of success is getting back up after you fail. I've never even heard that. I don't know if that's true, but it, it, 
it it's still good <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> really tried to have something spring to mind there but it didn't really work for me it's monday okay it's thursday when you're listening to this but it's monday when i'm recording this next we're going to talk about the time i bled in ballet class so if none of you have ever worn ballet tights before they are as thin as western family paper towels not to shit on western family if they ever want to sponsor me i will erase this episode from the internet in order to make a dollar but i have a very heavy flow for the men listening toughen up and i was doing my grand plie six seven eight and one of my friends looks at me and she goes didn't have to say a word I just look down and all of a sudden it looks like Ted Bundy had gotten a hold of me. There was blood from the top of my legs down to my ankles, not an exaggeration. Because the material is so thin, it is literally like putting a paper towel in a fucking pool, I swear. You just, it was bad. So... This is probably the least embarrassing story out of the bunch, but I was in the furthest studio from the bathroom, which meant I had to go through three separate studios in order to get to the bathroom. So we're here and first studio, we have about 24 people, females who have seen my peers. These are like my sisters. They're my best friends. I don't really care. But this is about 24 people who have seen my World War Three situation down, downstairs. And then we get to the next room. And this is the room where it's really, really tough. We got about 15 teenage boys who are all in their hip-hop class and as a female dancer all you ever want is to date a male hip-hop dancer and I have to go in my leotard which I'm already so self-conscious in because I had such bad body image issues and my fucking bloody ass tights because we don't have any clothes we have nothing to wrap around us I'm sure you guys are wondering why didn't you just like put a jacket around you or something we don't we didn't have that we were in a dance studio with no nothing (laughs) and so I remember telling the teacher when she I was like putting on my hand like can I go to the bathroom and she was like dance teachers often like no unless you're bleeding you cannot because they think we're just being lazy and don't want to do our routines again because we're tired so we use the excuse to go to the bathroom so often they're like no you should have gone before we started rehearsing this or this or this or whatever so unless you're bleeding that's the only time you can go to the bathroom which in hindsight is really fucked up but i don't know all sports are just tough like that i guess and so i remember telling my teacher she was i was like can i go to the bathroom and she was like are you perioding in your pants and i just went boom pointed right down to the crotch and she just went shoo shoo you head off so i walked through the boys hip-hop class the male teacher fucking he was on what's his what's that show called the next step i think the step it up the next step i don't know um he was there teaching and i was just like hey and fucking so embarrassed i don't know if the boys saw me because i couldn't even make eye contact i'm sure they did like 
why else would I've just been walking through the room, you know? And then, God, I'm literally getting so traumatized thinking about that. I didn't really think this episode would bring up such severe emotions for me, but these stories are a lot more embarrassing than they were in my head. Very on brand, nonetheless. Do I have my microphone on? Thank God. Um, and then we get to the last room. Fucking get to the point, Chrissy. We get to the last room and it's all of the older girls, 18, 19 year olds, girls who I look up to so much, probably about 35 of them. And here I am just bleeding galore out of my tights. So in total, about 100 people saw that I bled myself. That's still not even the worst period story I have. This one time when I was in Italy, oh my God, this is something straight out of a movie. When I was in Rome, I was having dinner. This has nothing to do with the theme of this show, but I just need to tell this story now. When I was in Rome, I was having dinner with like three girls I had met on the trip. Shout out to you guys if you listen. Mackenzie fucking, um, what's the other one's name? Uh, One girl from Canada. I forget your name. I forget your name. I'm sorry. And then another really nice girl. We all had, we were having a really nice dinner, wine. We were going to go out after having some pasta. I looked fire. I had like some white kind of jogger cargo pants on and like a really small crop top. And I was at the smallest I'd ever been in my life. Okay. Toxic. Noted. That was a toxic comment because I equated my beauty to the size of my body anyways. That's for later. That's for me issues. I was, God, I'm really getting off track today. Before this episode, there we go again. Before this episode, I told myself that you're going to be professional. You're not going to get off track. And here I am again. But anyways, now I have to finish my story. When I take sips of, oh my God, Jesus, here I go again. When I take sips of coffee, it's so that I can recollect myself because I'm, just uh sometimes I just get really amped up and my brain starts going a million miles per minute when I'm recording this show and I need to take a second bring it back to earth so I don't sound like a lunatic anyways I'm in Rome fucking get to it and I'm wearing these white pants like I said and I get up to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden this whole table of like 15 people starts hysterically laughing men and women grown-ass women and men laughing at me and I was like why are these people laughing so hard and I like was like okay whatever weird Jessica's drunk or something and then I saunter on over to the bathroom go pee I was pretty drunk at this point and I leave the bathroom And the waiter taps me on the shoulder and I was like, hi. And he just like pointed down at me, like down. And I like looked and oh my God, again, literally blood stained fucking white ass pants in the middle of Rome. (sighs) On a hot night, no one has jackets to wrap around me. I'm literally bleeding so, like I bled so much. And I am like, I was just so embarrassed come back to the table, talk to the girls. And I was like, literally look at what is went on here. I need to go find something else to wear. Here's some money. You guys pay for this. 
um, I'll be back in like 15 minutes when I can find an open store. And then I put two and two together that the entire table of grown ass men and women were laughing at me because when I started to leave, they're all like looking over me, still laughing and like talking to each other in Italian. I don't speak Italian, but I was really disappointed in females that night. Not my friends were great, but the grown ass women were laughing at a 19 year old girl who bled herself in the middle of a restaurant when that could have been them any possible day, any day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, doesn't matter. It could have been you. And, uh, I was very disappointed in women that day because, you know, they could have come over to me and just told me so that the male waiter didn't have to tell me they could have offered me a tampon. I don't know offered me one of their jackets to tie around myself. That's a little far. I wouldn't expect that. But that is what an over an overachieving human would do, I guess. Speaking of World War 3 in my pants, I want to proceed to a little story I'd like to call World War C. For Chris, I get it. If you haven't caught the theme of this episode, it's embarrassing dance stories. So the next story is injury related. I wasn't planning to tell this first thing I'm about to say on the story. This is not World War C. Wait for it. But I have sprained my ankle over 10 times probably as a dancer. One time, including tripping over a doormat. Not a joke. Okay, moving on. So... Wow, that voice crack, hey? So when I was about 15, we did a piece the same year as the donkey extravaganza, the donkey dick surprise, if you will. We did a piece about the post-war era. It was called After the War. It was somber. It was beautiful. It was thought-provoking. It was art. It was heart-wrenching. It was super serious. And we were in a championship competitions. The stakes were high for this piece. It was a big day. We were at a big, big competition. And all of a sudden, the climax of the song approaches. And... Starts going after the war. I'm going to have to stand up to show you what happened to me. I'm front and center of the whole show. I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my dance. And all of a sudden, I go for a massive grand jeté kick. And... This leg goes up nice and high, not that I'm flexible anymore. And the other leg, since I was so passionate and kicking this leg right up there, this leg decided, bitch, calm down. You're going a little too hard and fell right out from underneath me. And I face plant onto the ground on in front of an audience of... I'm going to guess about 400 or 500 people. I fucking ate 
it. <laughs> um, there's definitely a video out there somewhere of this. But it's all the more funny because I was a ginger kid. Like, we need to keep that in mind with all of these stories. Everything that happens when it happens to a chubby little ginger kid is so much fucking funnier. <laughs> I can't remember if people in the audience were laughing or not because I was honestly so disoriented. I ran. It wasn't even my turn to run off the stage. And I, like, kicked and I face planted And I just, like, sprinted off the stage because other people were. And I had no idea where I was. I was just, like so disoriented and I ran off the stage and my dance teacher was like oh my god are you okay like everyone was so worried about me like it was the worst fall ever my nose somehow wasn't bleeding and then I ran back on the stage and I finished the piece I specifically remember this is like literally the absolute biggest no-no as a dancer is showing your emotion on your face of what just happened to you but after this happened I remember thinking okay if I look really embarrassed as I finish this dance maybe we will win because people will feel so fucking bad for me that this just happened to me we didn't (laughs) but I would have been absolutely pissing myself if I had seen this happen to someone else If anyone I used to dance with has this video of me face planting in Whistler, British Columbia at, I don't know what hotel, the Marriott, I think, please send it my way. Find a way to get it to me because I need, I need this video to post on the internet. Yeah, that was really embarrassing, that one. That was probably one of the worst, a face plant in front of a fucking audience of hundreds can't really beat that can you but the reason I am telling you these stories is one to make you laugh and I hope it did please give me some feedback on if this was at all entertaining for you because I was really nervous to put out this episode because I didn't know if people who weren't a dancer would even find this entertaining or would even give it the chance to listen to it so If you did find it entertaining, please let me know. But the second reason why I wanted to put these stories out there is because I loved dance so much that even after a million times of embarrassing myself, those never felt like failures. They were honestly hilarious moments now. And something I learned from and reflected on. And I'll be honest, the moment I actually felt I failed as a dancer was the day I decided to leave it behind. The day I decided to quit and sell myself out for something I didn't love because I didn't believe in myself anymore. And that is by my definition, when I failed as a dancer was when I decided to give up on it, when things got hard, when things got too intense, when I wasn't getting the titles and the accolades I felt I deserved because I was putting so much work in. But yeah, I ended off my dance career on kind of a bad note, I guess which is really sad to me because I built these friendships and these relationships with people that influenced me more than they probably themselves know that they did. I had these friends and these mentors and these teachers that 
were people to look up to for me. But the final year of my dance career, I was there. Usually at studios, there's one elite group that does more competitions. They get chance to make more money. They get chances to travel. And when it came to my final year, I thought this would be the year that I finally made this elite group and was able to travel. I worked really, really hard. I started taking extra classes so that I could improve my technique. I started um, doing more solos, competing more. I started just working so hard. I spent my weekends dancing and I put really my whole heart and soul into this. And for me, the end goal was making this elite group. And if I didn't make that group, I was never going to be good enough to make it in LA or make it as a dancer. That was how things worked out in my mind. And so the year came, I went to the meeting where they would tell me that I was going to make this elite group. And instead they told me that they were going to put the studio owner's daughter and all of her friends and make that the elite group that got all these opportunities. And our group was going to stay the same. And it was because we as a unit were so cohesive and we were doing so well and winning so many things. But for me, that was dream crushing. I thought that for me, when those words came out of my dance teacher's mouth, it was the end for me. I was tired. I didn't feel like dance gave me the same um, confidence it once gave me. It wasn't an escape anymore. It became very political. It became about winning. It became about making the most money. It became about building a career. It wasn't about something I was passionate about and something that took me out of the dark place I was in which it did for a very long time for me and dance truly did save me because there was there is a good chance I would not be sitting here and I would be a drug addict if we if I didn't have that because while all the other kids who were struggling with alcoholic parents and all these kinds of things were out trying drinking and spending time together because naturally people you have similarities to you were attracted to and those were the people I was attracted to I was hanging out with the people who were experimenting drugs with drugs with the people who were drinking with the people who were shoplifting but I never never took part in any of that because dance came before everything for me so without it I probably would have experimented with those things because I didn't have I wouldn't have had goals. I wouldn't have had somewhere to spend all my time. I was literally too busy to ever even think about experimenting with those things. I was there for seven hours after school every day. And then I spent my weekends competing. I spent my days at school five hours a day. I went, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I went to a fine arts high school kind of like in what's that movie called? Fame in fame that was like the school I went to people dancing down the hallways and singing everywhere they go oh I just stepped on my dog sorry and um yeah that was kind of my life dance was my life and it 
did have this dark underbelly for me. Uh, it really sparked my eating disorders and my bulimia. I touched on this super, super briefly in the first episode of the podcast. I told the story about my dance teachers writing everyone's size on the board. So I'm not going to tell that story again. If you want to listen to it, you can go to the first episode of the podcast. Still one of my best episodes, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it sparked my bulimia very heavily. I was with ballerinas, girls who were 110, 120 pounds every single day of my life. Um, they were all, We were all wearing next to nothing. So girls would walk into class with their sports bras and their tiny little low waist booty shorts. And I was like, there's absolutely zero way I could ever wear that into a class because these girls don't have roles like I do. And when you're staring at yourself in a mirror for 10 plus hours every day, you have a lot of time to dissect your body. Think about the hour you spend in the morning getting ready and how much you pick shit apart and whip yourself and tell yourself all these things you need to be doing to look better. Imagine that hour times 10 in absolutely nothing with everyone else around you being smaller than you. It was a mind fuck for me. And it's not only your internal thoughts, you also have these external figures always correcting your body and what it does and how it does things. And yes, you get the positive reinforcement and the positive feedback, but as in any sport where they are correcting you and trying to get you to improve, it's the same in dance. So I don't know, it your body becomes, I guess, your main source of value, if that makes any sense. As a dancer, your body is your instrument. The importance of a soccer ball in a soccer game is the same as the importance of a dancer's body in a dance performance. It's It doesn't happen without the body, you know? And the main focus is the body. Everyone's looking at your body on a stage. They're not looking at whatever else. I remember the first time I had ever thought to suck my stomach in was in dance class. I remember we were in ballet class and my dance teacher told me to suck my belly in and up like as if I was at the beach in the summer. And this is no hate on the teacher. I don't think she realized what she was doing when she said it. But after that point, I thought it was the norm to suck in whenever you're in a bathing suit because it would just give you that little, little, little bit of a push to look skinnier than you were. And I attributed any of my failures as a dancer to my weight. If I didn't win a competition, it was because I was, I looked like a whale dancing on the stage in my mind. If I didn't get an audition, it's because the skinnier girls got it. If it all, any failure I had, it wasn't because of my lack of ability in my mind. It was because of my weight. And as much as I would like to say that was all something that I made up in my head, it wasn't really. A lot of the time, this is the same in any art form when it comes to acting or anything of that sort your look 
plays a massive role in the jobs you get. Um, so I can't say that fully. I was, I was crazy to think that my weight would prohibit me in any way at the time. I was working my ass off. I would always work a little bit harder than everyone else because I knew that the skinny girls would just always have it easier. And I, and I really hope that no one's watching this and thinking she, I don't know, or just like comparing themselves to me and thinking like, oh, she thinks she's, she like thought she was bigger and all that and had these issues. So where do I lie in all this? I hope you guys aren't comparing yourself to my situation, but I'm sharing these stories because so many girls feel alone I think in their eating disorders or anything like that we're always told now to love your body no matter no matter what no matter how it is but how how do you do that when constantly everything around you is a competition when girls are always trying to outdo themselves to look better than their friends to look better than the girls next to them to look better than the other guy's girlfriends girlfriends are girlfriends girls are always competing with other girls and it's sad and it sucks but we're always trying to one-up each other and as a dancer I was doing that I was again one of my teachers told me you should always be looking at the girl next to you and trying to be a bit better than her and I took that and I ran with it And even though she meant that in a way as a dancer, you should look at the girl next to you and try to be better than her. I took it as look at the girl next to you and try to be skinnier than her. And guess what? I never was because my body just doesn't naturally look that way. I'm not going to look like the girl who is a ballerina, you know? I started to get to the point with my eating that I started to eat really healthy this was good at first um but then it started to become problematic I started eating so healthy that I never ever treated myself I didn't eat at 14 years old I didn't eat I don't know I don't know if I was 14 but it was around that time probably yeah yeah 14 I would say I didn't eat gluten or dairy for a year a 14-year-old girl didn't have a pizza or a bite of pasta or a sip of milk or a bagel or a cracker for a year because she was so consumed in how her body looked and just getting smaller. And honestly, it didn't work. (laughs) I was not eating all this glute. Like I was cutting all this stuff out of my diet and I was exercising so, so, so much and nothing was working for me. Nothing was happening. And I don't know. I can't really remember why. I think I was just like I had. I was a young girl. I had some baby fat still. And I grew out of it. Or it was either that or I was just my body idea. My body was just completely morphed. And I thought I was bigger than I was. And Or maybe I just was as big as I was and I just felt really self-conscious about it and my body just wasn't going to get any smaller. And that's okay too if I'm taking care of my body. That's the most important thing. 
Um, but I knew I couldn't be anorexic without getting caught. And I know that sounds really fucked up, but as a dancer, my food consumption was always being monitored. My dance teachers were always looking what at what I was eating. Like I said, in that first episode, I had dance teachers snatch French fries out of my hand. Um, and even at home, my mom always worried about my body image. So she always made sure I was eating each meal and she packed me big meals. And I've also mentioned that my anxiety is super physical. So a lot of the time, if I'm anxious, I really have a tough time eating. So again, that was something she was just always monitoring is how I'm eating because my mental health is very intertwined with my body. And so I knew I couldn't be anorexic because I was having too many people watch my eating patterns. But I remember seeing on Glee for the first time being introduced to the idea of bulimia and seeing a girl making herself throw up, a cheerleader making herself throw up. And I had heard somewhere that it didn't actually work, that making yourself throw up wasn't going to make you lose any weight. But I thought I'd give it the old college try. For me, anything was worth it to lose even just five, 10 pounds as like, oh, it's so sad to think about now, like being 14 years old and feeling so ashamed to be in my own body. And it's not even at the point I wasn't even sexualized. You know, I wasn't even sleeping with people. I wasn't looking for the approval of, well, I guess I was looking for the approval of men, but it's just so sad that before I was even having sex, I was worried about what I looked like or before I even had encounters with anyone else I don't know these I that thought wasn't really going anywhere but sometimes you just need to think through your thoughts talk through your thoughts and see where they lead you that particular one went absolutely nowhere so eventually yeah so like I said I saw this first on Glee was introduced the idea of bulimia and eventually I started to take part in it I started to make myself throw up at dance at home this went on for probably about three months I would say and then I think maybe one time my mom I can't remember how people found out but my mom either caught me or I told a no, I this is what happened. I told a girl at dance I had been doing this. And the dance teacher, they went and told our dance teachers that this had been going on and that I was not the only one that was participating in this. There was about three other girls who were also making themselves throw up. So I don't know if it was peer influence or anything like that, but I remember being sat down with about 17 to 20 other girls and we all had a conversation about our bodies and our eating and how we looked and all this and the conversation is honestly a massive blur to me I can't really remember what was said in that conversation but I remember thinking okay my mom needs to be made aware of what's going on because I don't want to be this person anymore I don't want to get worse I don't want to get to the point where I was really really sick and so I told my mom what I've been going through and then I started therapy 
And I think that my biggest piece of advice for anyone battling eating disorders or anything of the sort is to really seek out some help. I know it's not cheap, but if you're really actually struggling with an eating disorder, you probably like genuinely struggling with an eating disorder, you should probably be hospitalized. Um, You need a plan specific to you. You can't learn the tools of to the tools to heal from eating disorders from a podcast or from a book. Those the same recipe doesn't work for everyone and people's eating disorders are triggered by very very different things so you need to find a plan that's specific to you and you also can't do this on your own as someone with an eating disorder you are constantly going it's really hard to not like I guess relapse back into that state where you are picking your body apart or are just it's just so unconscious I guess when you have this in you every day up until about last year actually I won't lie I still do it a lot of the time every time I look in the mirror I like lift my shirt up to see how my stomach is progressing is are the workouts I've been doing making me smaller Did the pizza I have last night make me bloated? And these are the exact kind of thoughts and behaviors I'm talking about that you don't necessarily even catch on your own as being bizarre. Not bizarre, but just out of the ordinary or unhealthy. So these are the kinds of behaviors you need to become aware of and make someone else aware of because otherwise you're just probably going to keep coming back to that same place. And as much as you think that getting to your target weight or your target size will make you happy, it won't. (laughs) And you will come to realize even once you reach that target weight or that target size, those same insecurities you had before you reach that goal weight, are the same insecurities you're going to have when you were bigger or when before you got that nose job before you got the boob job those security those insecurities are still going to follow you or they're going to shift into somewhere else so the self-work in order to be comfortable in your own body is one of the most important things we can do as people because we don't get another one. We don't get another body. You can morph it. You can change it. You can shift and shape. But at the end of the day, you're still in that same body you were in. Altered maybe, but still in that same body you were in before and still in that same mindset that you were in before. So you're still going to have those same insecurities that you had before, unfortunately. Um, I was going to answer some questions on this week's episode. But I think I'm going to save them because we've been through a lot today. And the other the questions I have, I actually want to spend a bit of time on. 
So if you have sent in your questions and I haven't answered them yet, I will answer them in the next episode. But oh my gosh, can you imagine if I wasn't recording? I am. I want to thank you guys for listening to my story. If you've made it this far and you've listened to all the embarrassing stories and my trauma and all that, I'm really grateful for you. And I really hope that you've like learned something or something I've said has made you reflect in this week's episode. If you could give me five stars on iTunes, that would be sick. If you could subscribe on the YouTube, that would also be top notch because I don't necessarily do as well on the YouTube as I do on Apple and Spotify and the actual listening and I personally like the visual of YouTube and now I have some better camera quality so you can see all of my perfections and imperfections up close uh you know where to find me on social media I'll also put it in the show descriptions and I hope you have the best weeks ever. Love yourself, love your bodies, and support those who support you. Have a good week. Love you all.